good evening, good morning, or whatever it is out there to all you listeners. This is the Accelerative Thrust Podcast. I'm here with my friend Eric, and I forgot to introduce myself. My name is Dan. Uh, how are you tonight, Eric, or tomorrow, or whatever it is when these listeners are <laughs> Am I supposed to use my, um, my radio voice, too? <laughs> yeah, but you got to do the more... Uh, oh, I'm, I'm a shock we jock. You're, you're a shock jock, and I'm a late night cool cat. <laughs> Shit, that's how I've always described you to people. Do you late know Dan Orr? Cool He's cat. a late night cool cat. <laughs> late night cool cat. Well, I, uh, I just, uh, we just came up with the title of the episode within the first thirty seconds. This is going to be a good one, guys. Um, so, uh, how are you doing, Eric? Uh, Eric, um, uh, am I allowed to say your last name? <laughs> Yeah, for okay, sure. Eric Whitaker. Yeah, I'm I'm doing good. Well, I'm doing both good and well. That's good and well. That's awesome. It's, it's all well and good. You know, yeah. it's good to be good, but it's even better to be good and well oh, because, yeah. I mean, well is kind of like the extra, extra to good, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. It goes yeah. good, better, wellest, I think is. Wellest. Yeah. I I don't know. Is that a? I mean, is I don't know the English language. Um, what uh, is that a word? Wellest? Because I, uh, well, because I still I say like sometimes I say funner, you know, oh, like yeah. and unironically, like yeah. I just completely forget that like that totally isn't a word. There's so many words yeah. out there that I use that I find out don't exist. I often say I often use a word and then go if that's even a word and then usually it is a real actual word, but it's like a word I've heard, but I don't know if I use it right. You know? So, yeah, yeah. we should just really invent our own language on this show. Oh like, my God. yeah, I'm sure just, we'd have a lot of listeners. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'll be like the bonus when we get like, you know, past like, I don't know, 5,000 <laughs> listeners or something. That'll be that'll be uh, like the bonus episode. It'll be like a, an introduction to whatever wow. we decide to call our language. Uh, yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. If we ever were to get five thousand listeners, I will learn a whole new language. You listeners have a lot of work to do. That, get on that it. we make up. <laughs> Just go word of mouth. They say it's the most. Um, I don't know. They say it's the best marketing technique is word of mouth. Unless you're I, using a made up language. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, when you market it, don't use the language. That's definitely true. Uh, mm. you, see, what you do is you bring them in using the you know the regular language, and then you just kind of like you um, what is it? Uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. What am I trying to say? Eric? Um, you slowly introduce the the new language. There you no, go. Indoctrinate. Um, there them. you go. Kind of like Indoctr- in uh, Clockwork Orange, how like in the book, like half the words are sort of just made up but you sort of through context figure out what they're trying to say i guess the movie yeah. is the same way yeah yeah that that's a good movie very uh, wholesome movie yeah yeah they drink um, they drink milk <laughs> um they, they listen to classical music yeah, it's pretty good yeah exactly there's there's all kinds of calming parts mm-hmm. like when that guy's watching that film through his eye yeah he just gets to watch movies it's nice. In a dark room. Yeah, and they, I mean, they that, moisten his eyes for him. He doesn't even have to blink. Yeah, very... yeah it's like that's a, a very comforting thing. Yeah. I mean, 
I wish somebody would do that. To, For you? Well, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not in the way that they were doing it in the movie. I'm, I'm going to just start becoming, like, <laughs> serious about the movie now. <laughs> uh, it was a good movie. Actually, it's pretty, it's pretty offensive. It's kind of hard to watch. Yeah. <laughs> we can't. Uh... Yeah. What are you doing watching this? I, you know, my uh, art of film class in high school, um, my teacher in that class actually allowed. I don't, I don't think it was my class. I don't remember if hmm. we watched it, but I know there was a class that actually got to watch a clockwork orange yeah. in high school. Was that, was that John Deason? That was John Deason. Yeah. He's, He's a, a great fantastic guy. teacher. Yeah. And, uh, Man, he got away with showing us a lot of interesting movies. Yeah, I would agree with that. But he, I do think his intentions were that that we see really well-made movies that took a lot of risks. I don't, I don't think he showed us things just for shock value, which is a good thing because it wasn't the class wasn't art of shock value; it was the art of film. So, you know, right? Yeah, he he genuinely liked these films. Yeah. He wasn't like do even though. Some of it, as a 15-year-old or whatever, I saw it as funny at the time. Oh, for sure. You know? Yeah. But, like, um, I remember we watched this movie that I, I absolutely love to this day mm-hmm. called Simple Men. Have you ever seen that? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Simple Men, it's... I can't even begin to describe the plot to this movie. It's just one of those weird sort of, like, 90s indie movies mm-hmm. that kind of doesn't make any sense hmm. but kind of does but i just remember there's one part where <laughs> there's actually a dance sequence hmm. to cool thing by sonic youth oh nice yeah and uh like they're they're dancing in this bar and uh it's just it's hilarious because it's actual like uh calculated dancing oh like it's yeah you know, like they're actually like people actually do that to like cool thing by Sonic Youth. <laughs> nice. It's pretty it's pretty funny. Um, it's hard to tell sometimes if directors use that type of stuff to be funny or not. Like right. like that one part. And you're going to you're going to know this better than me. But the TV series Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. who's the the hunky dude? Who ha- who's on the motorcycle all the time. Uh, J- James uh, Hurley. James, yeah. yeah. Um, that one part where he sings that song. Oh, that song? On, it's one of the best on songs a guitar. of all time, dude. <laughs> and it, but it's like that part just is so Just you like, and I? Oh, my God. Yeah, just you and I. Oh, it's so but good. But that, that part is just so... It's I don't <laughs> know if David Lynch... I could never tell if David Lynch in any of his mm. interviews or anything that I've ever seen with the guy... I can never tell if he's being like serious or not with some of the stuff that like, okay, there's this like presentation that he gave about, um, Oh, I'm blanking again. It's, it's the, uh, he does the, um, transcendental meditation Mm -hmm. and he actually visits, um, out there by Fairfield, Iowa in the Mahavishnu Vedic city to do that. And he, he's doing this presentation and he's talking to like, a group of college students uh, probably on campus. I, mm-hmm. you know, but they're all like in their twenties or whatever, you know, and he keeps, he's like encouraging them hardcore to like give money to like 
<laughs> you know, like give money to the organization mm-hmm. so that they can do transcendental meditation. And some girl like asks him, uh, raises her hand and asks him, uh, what am I going to tell my parents when I say that I want the college tuition to um, go towards transcendental meditation instead of my my college, mm-hmm. you know, because I know my parents aren't going to allow that. And his answer is, tell tell your parents that it would be a beautiful thing if you gave the money to study transcendental meditation. <laughs> and like I think the whole he cut place, out like, right at the punchline. <laughs> I didn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. <laughs> you didn't hear. You didn't hear what I said. Okay. No, it was right so at the punchline too. <laughs> okay, so I'll say it. I'll say it again. Okay. Uh, how far did How far did you get to? What's the last thing? What you are heard? What are my parents? And then David Lynch said, "Tell your okay, parents." Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, so David Lynch says, tell your parents that it would be a beautiful thing if they gave money (laughs) for you to study transit. And he says it with, like, it seems like no sense of irony whatsoever. But at the same time, like, it's just people don't, you know what I mean? Like, normally people just don't react to, you know, that way to, you know what I mean? It's just... David Lynch yeah. is like a master at that kind of, you know, kind of trickery. I, I almost want to call it trickery, but it's just so hard to tell if he's like being serious or not. Yeah. And that's I don't, I don't one know of the reasons. Wh- yeah. That's one of the reasons why I love David Lynch, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, um, yeah. Like I've seen the movie Eraserhead probably, I don't know, maybe like 20 times 25 times in my life starting when i was way too young to see it and when i was really young the when i first saw it i would show people because it's weird you know and i think when you're young especially a teenager you try to represent how weird you are by the stuff that you're into you know like oh i like this so i'm gonna show everybody that i'm into this so they know that i'm weird you know um but I always just thought it was this weird movie that was just insane and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and then as time went on, like maybe about a decade ago, I watched it again and I could not stop laughing. Like I thought it was just the darkest comedy I've ever seen. Like every moment was just like, uh, I don't, it was kind of like watching Curb Your Enthusiasm or something. If you've ever seen that, it's just like cringe humor you know and so and then i watched it again recently and it was sort of a combination of like whoa i think this is actually pretty deep and weird but also pretty funny at times too so i don't that's what i like about things that aren't super specific like they they change along with you you know what i mean like when you experience it at different ages it's a different thing i think that's I think David Lynch's stuff for the most part is pretty good for that because he doesn't really give you a lot of answers. And because of that, you have to find the answers. His stuff finds you where you're at, you know, and that's. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So anyway, but yeah, that James Hurley song rips and uh, (laughs) it's also hilarious because (laughs) it comes out of nowhere. Like, yeah. James Hurley, before this moment in the show, never plays guitar. He's never mentioned that he plays guitar or <laughs> writes songs or sings. 
uh, Maddie, Laura Palmer's cousin, and Donna are singing with him. And it's obviously something that they've practiced a lot. And we somehow have never seen this happen. And when he starts playing, there's other instruments. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no. There's like almost like there's a bass and some (laughs) drums. And it's just like, what the hell is happening right now? Not not only that, the thing that that's exactly what I was going to say makes the part so funny to me is that it's clearly a studio recorded version of the song that he's lip syncing to with this big guitar and (laughs) all he's got is a guitar. There's no drums. Yeah. And also his voice, I think if I remember right, sounds like it's doubled. Yeah. Well, it's got a, it's got a slap back, uh, reverb on it. Like a, yeah. Sun record style. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's so funny. And it's like, just out of nowhere. It's great. I remember, um, uh, reading some message board Mm -hmm. a while back about that. People were getting offended. Like, this is how serious some people get about, like, David Lynch. People were offended that people found that funny on this message board. Like, there were people that were just like, oh, yeah, it's so funny that he's singing his girlfriend, you know, like, a love song. Jeez, you know, this is no different than any other, like, time in a movie when a guy sings a love song to his girlfriend. I'm like, but yes, it is. (laughs) It's way different than any other Well, and that's the other thing, too, though, is, like, I think that David Lynch uses a lot of shorthand or like ways to get to a conclusion that are a little non linear or at least non narrative. So like in that scene, it's just James singing in his admittedly hilariously high voice and he's singing it to Donna and Maddie and they're singing it back to him. And it's like kind of gross how, into it they all are you know (laughs) and they just keep kind of going back between showing donna and maddie and james and like it's just this real goofy like saccharine sweet love moment to show their love triangle or whatever but (laughs) they use this one song to to fill in all those gaps like instead of telling us all of this like oh there's this big love triangle and donna's really jealous and Maddie like James is in love with Maddie because she reminds him of Laura or whatever like they just sing this dumbass song and and make lovey faces (laughs) at each other like it's a pretty effective way to tell us this entire story in a two-minute dumbass song you know I I, and maybe again I'm giving too much credit to David Lynch maybe he just wrote this song and thought I'm just gonna have these people in my show sing it but I don't know you know yeah, that's that again. That's just the genius of David Lynch. Yeah. He's going to make you ask these questions. Yeah. You know? You're going to give him credit for being real smart, even though he might <laughs> yeah. not be. <laughs> yeah, he might not be at all. Like, that's what he's. Curated. I guess what he's. That's great. I you know? I haven't seen any of this, but I guess lately he's been giving, like during quarantine, he's been giving weather reports. Yeah, that was something he did a long time ago, and he sort of resurrected it for. Oh, okay. The, the pandemic but it is pandemic. that's just uh, that's hilarious they're pretty good yeah i i've never watched any of them i'm gonna have to uh dig into that yeah. sometime but uh well we got some music <laughs> to talk about other than james and, uh, early's other than james song. early and uh david lynch uh, have you heard the david lynch albums oh yeah yeah i i really like them a lot yeah 
Okay. Uh, I still have it, so I'm going to have to. Well, maybe I'll choose one for an upcoming episode. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. That would be great. Um, all right. So, uh, okay. On to. Now, you, you said that I'm first yep. this time, right, yep, Eric? That's right. Okay. I'm, I can never remember. Yeah. Let me preface this week by saying that the two releases that I um, picked this week, I actually just recently got into like i'm talking like a month at the most either of Mm -hmm. them um so i'm picking really new ones for me but they're really really old ones in reality (laughs) Uh, so um uh anyway the first one i'm going to talk about is this uh record from this group called the streets called original pirate material which uh, I do remember the streets getting quite a bit of hype when they first came out. Um, and I do remember the single, uh, it was sort of a hit single off this record that was getting, uh, played quite a bit called let's push things forward, uh, featuring this guy named Kevin Mark trail. And the only reason why I know that is cause I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now. Um, but, uh, I couldn't, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm just going to say this right now. I couldn't stand that song uh, when it came out in 2002. And also I was in a completely different place in my life as far as the music that I was willing to give a chance to at that time. Mm-hmm. And this was just something that sounded way too out of left field for me. Um, what I do remember kind of appreciating about it though was that it did seem like it was sort of a, um, uh, it, it did sort of seem like it was bringing hip hop that was out of left field to the mainstream. Like in 2002, when this record came out, it was highly unlikely that a record like this would actually be mainstream. But here we were, here we are. I mean, it, it was actually quite big back then. Um, and, I, I don't think it appealed to like hip hop heads per se. I think it kind of appealed to people who were maybe more into underground music because this isn't just a straight up hip hop record um, to me that, I mean, that being said, it's very British. It, you know, I remember talking about the Sleaford mods. I wouldn't be surprised if the Sleaford mods maybe had some information, uh, in information, uh, inspiration, <laughs> uh, from this group. I don't know if that's, uh, for sure or not, but basically what the streets are. And I guess I could say were, cause from what I understand, he's kind of quit doing the project. I think as like a couple years ago or something like that, but it was a, um, basically a one man band. Uh, he recorded this, uh, record in like, an apartment, I believe over in England, they call it a flat. And I think he just used whatever technology was sort of available at that time, as far as like digital technology. And obviously he was using a lot of samplers and things like that. And, uh, you know, he, he made some really, really awesome beats, but yeah, basically from what I understand, this was definitely more of a project than it was like a band. So I don't know if his intention was to actually get big off of this, but this might be kind of like a uh, sort of a fluke, kind of like 
the one thing that I think of is like Ben Gibbard from the band Death Cab for Cutie had that really successful group called the Postal Service Mm -hmm. that kind of accidentally got huge. And I kind of wonder if that's sort of what the situation was with this. I'm not really quite sure. In any case, it's just a really interesting um, album. Um, that track, Let's Push Things Forward, I, I love it now. Um, and there's just some really great beats on here. Um, and it definitely has that feeling of kind of like a like a, a bedroom hip-hop album, sort of. Like, the, you can kind of tell in a way that it was recorded in, a, in an apartment. Um, maybe not using the, the best equipment, um, of the time or whatever. Uh, but it's also not any, it's, it's anything but like a low, it's not lo-fi or anything like that. It's, it's definitely like got really, really good production. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that it's a really interesting record. Um, I like that it's really working class again, that kind of you know, makes me think of Sleaford mods because as silly as they sound and as silly as the streets sound sometime, um, there's definitely some social commentary going on, but there's also like the Sleaford mods and I kind of hate comparing the two, but you know, they both kind of, as, as far as in my estimation, they both kind of have similar content at times. There's also a lot of songs about getting drunk and like eating like food mm-hmm. and just sort of partying mm-hmm. and things like that. But not in a, not in a, you know, like a really just sort of like mindless way. Mm-hmm. I think that this was a really intelligently put together album. And I think the reason why it communicates to me now uh, way better than it did when it first came out is because I've given a lot of stuff uh, a chance since then. Mm-hmm. And I, I, not that this is, this isn't like a really experimental record or a really avant-garde record or super left field. But when you consider the context of when it came out in 2002 and what was popular as far as rap goes in 2002, it very much is. Mm -hmm. And so I just think opening myself up to different like things has really, um, kind of made me get into an album like this. What did you think, Eric? Yeah, I um, I liked it a lot. Uh, like you said, it's very, very British. Um, and it did remind me of Sleaford Mods in that sense, where it's not really... Sometimes there's rhyming, you know, like... But a lot of times it's very conversational too and very like um evokes a lot of images you know it's kind of just describing what's happening um and yeah but i really like the music and i liked um there were a lot of different styles represented i think it was at its core really hip-hop oriented obviously like if you took everything else away and it was just the drums and the vocals, it would just be hip hop. So I don't think the song structure and things like that get that weird, but the other elements that come in are pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of dub, uh, there's a lot of house and techno, 
which all makes a lot of sense. You know, that's all really kind of British too. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I listened to it a number of times. Uh, they say geezer a lot. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> like maybe 10 times per song. Uh, <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. But yeah. No, I really enjoyed it. I, I want to check out more because I want to see where they went. Um, You know, I actually that's that's interesting you say that, because in addition to listening to this record, mm-hmm. I also listened to the second yeah. record, which is titled A Grand Don't Come for Free. Okay. And that record is actually like kind of like a uh, sort of a, a like an opera. It's like a concept album. Wow. And there's actually a story behind it. Very interesting. Okay. It's actually a little bit different than the mm-hmm. first one, but there's elements of the first one, but I would say it's just cool. as good. Yeah. I think I'll check out more of this. I'm not completely unconvinced that you, Dan didn't pick this cause you wanted me to do an English accent again, but <laughs> uh, I'm not going to. <laughs> I, I have been, I have been picking some British stuff yeah. lately. Haven't I? <laughs> but, <laughs> like, yeah, I would say honestly, if you if you like Sleaford mods, or if you like the sound of British rap, like this is yeah, definitely check this out. I think it's cool. I think the production was cool, uh, and it does get weird. It's I'm not. It's not super straightforward stuff. Like. And the no, vocal yeah, delivery is real cool, you know, like, and I think it's great. That's also another thing that I want to point out too, is that I really like that single. I didn't pick up on this when it was being played mm-hmm. all the time. And there was probably a part of me too in 2002 that was like, well, I'm an underground kid. I don't want mm-hmm. any of this stuff that's hyped up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or there might've been an element of that. Like maybe I just kind of dismissed it as like hipster stuff or something. Yeah. But I love that song, Let's Push Things Forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, that hook, that sung, um, it, I just love, you know, uh, the lyrics to that. Uh, you say that everything sounds the same, then you go buy them. There are no, I think it's like, there are no more choices, my friend. Let's push things forward. Yeah. It's such a simple, like, simple concept to sing about, but it's so true. And I can see why the streets, this project again that existed it pretty much the mainstream i I remember this being like like everyone like it was on critics best of Mm. year end lists back in like 2002 i don't know if you remember the hype behind this no i I, uh, this was the first time i'd heard of them is when you okay yeah this was this was really hyped up Mm. like and i might be kind of overstating that a little bit but i just remember like mtv2 was kind of the channel the default channel that everyone watched in 2002 mm-hmm. to actually watch music videos which that's obviously changed since mm-hmm. then uh but like the regular mtv wasn't playing videos and i just remember this being in regular rotation okay. around mm-hmm. that time and uh so maybe i'm overstating mm. uh the uh popularity they had but it seemed to me like there was a lot of hype around this and now i listen to it with ears in 2021 and i can see mm-hmm. why yeah, I thought so. it was cool. And yeah, there are moments that are really cool. I think my favorite track on it is probably Same Old Thing. And I think it's just because oh, that's... Uh, the vocal delivery, uh, again, I'm not going to do an impression, but it's it's just <laughs> very British. It's very out of time. And yeah, it's fun to 
to listen to. It's kind of shocking in a way, you know, how it's put Absolutely. together. So, yeah, good stuff. Cool, cool. All right, what, what do you got for me, Eric? Well, <clears throat> sorry, I got uh, something in my throat for you. Um, wait, no, that came, that <laughs> well, came don't, out don't, wrong. Well, don't spit it over here. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the first one is, and I knew that either Dan or I would have to pick this this week or upcoming soon. I think um, it's just, it's kind of a no-brainer that we'd have to listen to it. But it's um, Godspeed You Black Emperor um their new record it's called god's p at state's end um (laughs) and god is spelled lowercase g underscore d uh apostrophe s god's p which i guess kind of sounds like godspeed so um, yeah okay i did i actually just now picked up on that but uh (laughs) i so kind of a goofy title, but I mean, they always have a goofy title. Uh, it was, sure. it's pretty good. Uh, I think that um, anyone who likes Godspeed is not going to be that um, surprised by this, but I think it's really good. And I think that um, Godspeed holds a, a certain place in just about every underground music fans life you know in the lexicon like the first time i ever heard it uh my friend sean and i were at uh, another friend of ours house uh ryan and he had lived i think in california or somewhere much cooler than iowa and he brought back the um f sharp record and oh yeah uh, the first one we listened to it and we openly were not trying to be cool. Like we openly talked about how we had never heard anything like this, how this was the most amazing thing we'd ever heard, how it was like a movie score, but there were vocal samples over it and all this stuff. And I mean, we were blown away and, and I still sort of am blown away in a, in a way, but it's also, I think that, they became so much like the example of this kind of music. Like before anyone knew what post rock was, they knew Godspeed you black emperor. Like it almost became like Kleenex. Like no one says, hand me a tissue. They say, hand me a Kleenex. Like if you, if someone said, you know, like Mogwai or something and you'd say, they'd say, Oh, what kind of music is it? You'd say, well, they sound kind of like Godspeed you black emperor, you know, like, they just became the ambassadors for this kind of music. And I, I think that's something that's easy to forget when you're listening to this because we've heard so much like it now. Um, but I think they pull it off and I think it's super good. I don't think this one is as sparse and sort of wide open and desolate as the first few records. And it's not really as heavy and aggressive almost as like the fourth and fifth album and like luciferian towers the the one before this i felt was like pretty accessible i don't want to say it was poppy by any means but it had an upbeat element to it i would say that this album really is the culmination of all of those different things it's sparse it's twangy but it's also heavy it sounds like you know doom 
uh, ambient metal uh, at certain moments, but it also does kind of have these uplifting epic moments too. So it's like, you know, um, it is the culmination of everything they've done up to this point, as far as I can tell. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was super good. And if you like Godspeed, you're going to love it. So, um, yeah, I just don't think it was uh, all that surprising or shocking, but I thought it was very good and exactly what I would hope they put out. So, yeah, what do you think, Dan? Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was great. Um, I don't really have much to add to the conversation. You pretty much summed it up for me exactly how I would uh, say uh, it. It sounds like a Godspeed You Black Emperor record, which is not a bad mm-hmm. thing. Um, because it is a Godspeed, you black emperor record. Um, uh, one thing that you touched on that I I think is really interesting and that I, uh, have kind of completely forgotten about is just how, um, forward thinking, thinking this group Mm -hmm. was back in like the early two thousands. I remember you were the one who actually recommended that I listen to the slow riot for new Kanata. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one's so good. that was the first one that I li- that I heard. It's still my favorite release cool. from them. And I got to be honest, um, after and I went back and I got the F sharp, A sharp. Um, I don't even remember what the what it's Infinity, actually called, but the I actual think. Infinity. That's it. Yeah. Um, I went back and got that. And then as soon as lift your skinny mm-hmm. fist like antennas to heaven came out, I bought that mm-hmm. one. And then I just kind of lost track of Godspeed after that. So I got to admit, mm. I never listened to, um, what is it, like Yankee XYO and, and or something like that? And that one sort of is a bridge, I feel, between uh, Lift Your Skinny Fist and the two records that came after that, uh, Alleluia okay. and Asunder. Of course, they have much longer names than that. But both sure, of those are sure. like, they, I, they get kind of heavy. I don't know. They, they have a dense heavy sound to them so you know sure might be something you'd like uh yeah it probably it probably would be and it's not i just they were just kind of a group well i know they took like a long mm-hmm. hiatus like for a while and so they weren't really putting anything out right and uh that, that has nothing to do why with why i haven't checked out any of the records no. between lift your skinny fists and god's pee but i just I just never got around yeah, to it for there was whatever a solid reason. Decade though, before between the third record and the fourth record, so a lot sure. can happen okay. in there. And not only that, but exactly. like I said, probably fifty bands in that time came out that sounded just like God. <laughs> that sounded just so, like them. Yep, I remember yeah. that was actually like a that was a big thing, mm-hmm. even in the local scene sure. around here. There were bands popping up with that sort of mm-hmm. thing, and before you knew it. Well, like you mentioned, uh, it seemed like everybody who used to be in a grindcore band was starting a band that right. sounded like Godspeed. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah, it makes it, it makes sense, though. I mean, the, it does. It makes makes sense in a really yeah. weird way. The one thing that I would say, and I think that you were kind of saying this maybe a little mm-hmm. bit, is uh, the one thing that I would say about this record, if I had to give any sort of like very minimal criticism mm-hmm. of it, uh, it's just that. To me, it's just so hard to top records like Slow Riot for New Canada yeah. because it that record was so forward thinking mm-hmm. at that time. Like like I mentioned, I hate 
continually using that term, but it was, I had never heard anything like oh, it at absolutely. that time. And the way and, things um, were packaged, like that became the norm. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, um, the F sharp, A sharp. Is that the one, the red covered one? I don't know. Uh, they, they, they sent along like, yeah, like smashed pennies and like handmade hand printed things and all this yeah, ephemera, that was that one. you know, and like that became a big thing, but I didn't know of anyone else doing that before them. Like they really, they really hit the ground running as a fully formed concept that would change a lot of how music was not only made and recorded, but also presented to us and the products that yeah. were made all of a sudden a handmade hand printed record cover was like a really big deal. Or like hand yeah, absolutely. is like, was... whoa, that's a thing I want. Before that, I didn't. I never knew anyone that did anything like that. You know. Yeah, so. it it's kind of like what you were talking about with Sean about how he understands presentation. Yeah, Sean Reed. Uh, yeah, God, absolutely. Godspeed were like, Godspeed were like almost like the, they were almost like the um, inventors, if you will, of that sort of concept. Yeah. In, at least in underground mm-hmm. music. Um, but yeah, no, this record, one thing that I did really like about it is it, and I'm assuming from how you're describing, uh, the records after lift Mm -hmm. your skinny fists between, uh, that and this record, I like the kind of stripped downness Mm -hmm. of it a little bit. Like it definitely sounded more rock than say like slow riot for new Canada. It like sounded less. I guess like magical, but not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Like it just, you know, there's something like when I put on slow riot, yeah. I just, and, and lift your skinny mm-hmm. fists. There's something just almost like magical. Like I almost feel like I'm being transported, mm-hmm. like in a fantasy movie or something. It's very <laughs> like it's orchestral just, for sure. Yeah. Very, very yeah. orchestral, but I really liked a lot of the ambient parts mm-hmm. on this record and, I definitely can just see where this is just pretty much a continuation of where Godspeed, you know, has been going for a long time. The one thing that I noticed on this that I don't think I've heard very much on the other records was like a really crazy um, lead, like a ripping ass heavy metal lead guitar. (laughs) Like almost like John Carpenter, uh, like, I don't, I'm trying to think of the kind of movies that have this guitar in them, but yeah, it's almost like an eighties horror electric guitar, like PV distortion. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it's, yeah. It's really, but um, it's cool, but it's uh, at the same time kind of like, Whoa, that's weird. <laughs> yeah. There's, that's one thing that I do like about Godspeed is they seem to have kind of a sense of humor about mm. themselves a little bit too. It doesn't seem like they, take themselves too seriously either right. even though the music is very emotional uh i mean that's all proven by the second song moya on slow right for new canada where it's like literally that guy's pretty much reciting lyrics from a blaze bailey iron maiden yeah, song right called virus that's yeah. fantastic yeah when i found that out i was like oh my god <laughs> like, yeah they definitely have irreverence like, for not only for systems and government and music itself, but even themselves, you know, like they, they don't even respect 
what they do in a certain way, you know, which is great. Yeah, you have to be that way, especially awesome. when you're trying to sell people 11 minute long orchestral rock songs. You know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, it, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. And like I said, if you like Godspeed or Silver Mount Zion or Mogwai or Explosions in the Sky, like all that stuff, you, you're going to like this too. So you might as well get it. So. Or 80s heavy yeah, metal right. guitar it's solos not throughout and the whole thing, but there were just a couple moments of some <laughs> some ripping ass solos in it. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I do remember that. It got it was really pretty funny, but it was funny in like the yeah, best way. Yeah. You Good know? stuff. Oh, um, yeah. What do yeah. you got next? Okay, so the next record I got is from this band called Unwound or Unwound. I don't know how they oh, pronounce mm-hmm. it, um, but. I'm going to say that it's unwound. Uh, so those, if there's any hardcore unwound or unwound fans out there listening, um, just let me know on uh, Instagram, which by the way, you can visit both me and Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and do the uh, plug okay. right now <laughs> at Dan underscore the underscore ruler or at old man Erie. Mm-hmm. which is um, all lowercase. Mm-hmm. And you can also visit us at the Accelerative Thrust Instagram and Accelerative Thrust Facebook. So right there is where you're going to want to let me know if I'm pronouncing mm, this band's yeah. name wrong. And if you could get <laughs> but, real um, mad and be pretty mean about it, I think it'd be better for all of us. Yeah, just just let, let me yeah. have it, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Um, so this is uh, Unwound. Like I said, I'm just going to go with that. This is their, okay, this is confusing um, because I looked this up on uh, Wikipedia. It says it's their fourth studio album, Mm. which technically that's true, but it's their third album that was released. Mm. Their first studio album, which was self-titled, was recorded in like 1992 or Mm. something like that, but it was shelved because they got a new drummer. And then their second, third, and fourth record became their first, second, and third record. And then they eventually released that first record as their fourth album. So it was like their their first album uh, was their fourth album that got released. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Very strange. And they make sure to specify this on the Wikipedia. Hmm. So I don't know if that's how the band wants it to be remembered. Um, It makes sense, you know, if they do, because I'm sure that, but if you've already released three albums on a label and then this fourth record that got shelved that you recorded three or four years mm-hmm. ago, you probably view that record a lot differently mm-hmm. than you do the first three that you released. Uh, but anyway, so this record is called The Future of What? And this is just a prime example of a band that I would have just totally loved back in like high school or my mm-hmm. early 20s. It's just straight up, like, for the most part, post-hardcore thrash. Um, you know, not unlike Fagazi or, I don't know, even something like uh, as crazy at times as, I don't know, Drive Like Jehu or The Jesus Lizard mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. Um, but one thing about this band that stands out to me is there's some other like sort of weird things in their music that I kind of feel 
is kind of going on at times because there's while that is very true and it's very like bass heavy music driven most of the time there's these moments where things really slow down and become almost like these ambient these short sort of ambient instrumental pieces like I could see where maybe some shoegaze bands may have been listening to this band a little bit or vice versa, because I'm sure that a lot of shoegaze predates this band. Hmm. And I could see where this band was listening to both. Maybe, I don't know, both Fugazi and the cure, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's moments where it's just a beautiful sounding record. And then there's the moments where it just, I mean, it just, it like the vocals are just like blood curdling and the music just sounds like a razor mm-hmm. cutting you. I mean, it's just really like the tones are just really my cup of tea for when I was playing in a hardcore band. Um, and I'm just surprised that I didn't really discover this band until like two years ago when I was like 38 years old, because this is totally stuff that I, that would have been my shit back mm-hmm. in high school. It's my shit. Now I really like it. Um, it has these like weird sort of like bonus tracks at the end. Yeah. Like the last like four tracks are bonus tracks that kind of don't make any sense. <laughs> like why they're even, you know, added, which I think adds to like, sort of like what I was talking about. Uh, there's more than just hardcore to this band, mm-hmm. which is something that I really appreciate. And um, yeah, like the last four records just kind of, they have this like weird, almost, I don't know, like, like almost field recording element to them or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You guys, you guys would just have to listen. Cause I can't really, I can't really describe it, but yeah, if you're into like stuff like Fugazi, the Jesus lizard, um, if you're into just sort of the heavier, noisier rock, that was kind of coming out of like the amphetamine reptile stuff and really like emotive sort of rock, like at the drive-in mm-hmm. even or something like that. I mean, yeah, this this is pretty much the band for you. And I really like it. What did you think, Eric? Yeah, I thought it was good. And it changed a lot over the course of the record. Um, I do have to ask you, so the those are bonus tracks. So were those not on the original release? Yeah, they were apparently not on the original, like, I think it might have only been a vinyl-only okay. release. And then when it came out on CD, they added those bonus tracks, tracks 14 through okay. 17. 14 through yeah, 17. Yeah, because okay. they... All right, cool. Yeah, they totally did not fit with the rest of the yeah, album. Yeah, <laughs> The thing about it was, is that it changed a lot over the course of the record, and for it to end that way didn't seem that crazy to me but it did seem like a hard turn into what happens there um exactly it's um yeah i i liked it but i the thing was when it first started i was like oh okay i get it this is just kind of that emo kind of hardcore stuff that i don't know anything about and then it yeah yeah it after the first couple of songs, things started to change a lot. And I'll, and I found myself thinking, you know, this is actually closer to like early Sonic Youth than hardcore. And then it got to some songs where it's like, 
really Nirvana-esque, like for real. Like his vocals sound sounded a lot like Kurt Cobain and it sounded a lot like shellac. But then, and things like that, but it also sounded a lot like, you know, in my limited scope of this kind of music, like quicksand and stuff yeah. like that. And yeah. the fact that it's 1995, it really felt to me like maybe not a conscious bridge between grunge and emo but like maybe even a subconscious one like i just heard a lot of stuff that sounded like the early 90s coming into the stuff that sounds like the late 90s and it happens like right in the middle you know and so it to me sort of had this bridge feel to it and um i ended up liking it a lot i liked all the sort of um noise scapes and uh things like that yeah with those bonus tracks I, I like where it ended up it was just basically almost like music concrete it was like um there was an organ but mostly it was just kind of machinery sounds and noise yeah. and stuff, which yeah. is great i love that kind of stuff but it seemed a little like a hard shift into those last few tracks um yeah but they definitely established a foundation for that to happen throughout the record there was a lot of interludes and moments in songs that, you know, just kind of went into noise, ambient territory. So it was fine. But I would say, yeah, if you are a fan of 90s music in general, you're going to find something on this that you like. And it's going to be different enough that you might end up liking other elements of it, too, you didn't expect. So I thought it was good. I'd never heard of this group, but I know that. I've read the name a lot. People are into it. Um, I think a lot of people cite it as an influence or at least something that helps shape what they do now. Um, and so I think it's kind of coming into its own uh, now. I don't know how popular it was at the time, but it seems like people are looking at it. So that, that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I hear, I constantly hear bands talk about how Unwound was a yeah. big influence on them. Yeah. So... Yeah, again, it's kind of weird that I'm just now checking it out, but yeah. here we are. <laughs> nice. Here we are. Okay, uh, album number two yeah. for you, Eric. So, speaking of influences, uh, my second pick is uh, by a group, a small little unknown group called Portishead. And um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. the album is called Third, and it is their third album. Uh, and... It came out in 2008, which is quite a long time after Dummy came out, their first run. The, uh, and so even though they are one of my favorite groups, they really are. They're a huge influence on me musically. Like, if you listen to my stuff and you think about Eric's just trying to sound like Portishead, you're going to get it instantly. It's not even <laughs> like I'm trying to hide it. Um and the reason I never really got into this, I think I had sort of moved on from uh, that kind of music, or I just thought of Portishead as an old thing, and they're trying to recapture it, and that never really goes well, for the most part. Um, but really, what really turned me off about this record, and this is where my actual review will start, is I think... Okay, so Portis had put out this thing called Live in NYC. 
and it's a live concert and it is amazing it's easily the best concert film i've ever seen which most people are going to say like what what about the last waltz and whatever else a million other concert movies that are better as far as everyone in the world's concerned but in this one i just i've never seen a a, a band sort of be so quiet and so loud and so motivated to get the crowd involved like they just blow it up i don't have another term for it they just blow the fucking lid off the place and it's just amazing but i think they sort of figured out uh, that 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 happened and it was awesome and they might want to try to recreate that in an album but what that means is that when it starts it sounds weird it sounds bad it sounds poorly recorded and I don't know what the deal is. And like, honestly, the first two songs, I adjusted my stereo endlessly trying to figure out like, what is wrong with this recording? It sounds really terrible. The songs are good, but it seems like it's just this layer of bad recording on top of it. <laughs> but as um, the third song starts to take hold, that production like slowly cleans up and the vocals are coming in clearer and stronger and you're like wait what the hell this was a conscious decision and then about halfway through the fourth song called the rip it it doesn't seem like that interesting of a song but like halfway through this arpeggiated synthesizer comes in and it it just transports you you're just like this is different i don't know what i'm in store for right now but something's happening here and it's very strange it's not what i expected to be experiencing right now and then it just kind of continues on that path of like getting clearer and stronger and more um exciting i guess would be a word like um yeah and until it's over and it's just amazing there's one song called plastic on there and it has this gated drum roll in it. And I've never heard anything like it. Like the first time I heard it, like it literally took my breath away. And that, I mean, what an experience as an old man who's been listening to music since, I don't, I mean, as far as I can remember, you know, since a baby, you know, like to still be that affected and shocked by something was really cool. And um, I will say that Portishead's first two records are truly amazing, groundbreaking, beautiful pieces of uh, work. But it's a little dated because of the scratching that they add throughout. Um, I think it kind of puts it squarely in this sort of like 90s feel. It's kind of like, because it's not really part of the music, it's used as an instrument, kind of like how Incubus would have used it or something. Like it was a thing that happened during that time where it just goes, you know, and you're like, okay, great. Um, that's missing from this completely. So if you think, oh, Portishead sounds dated, this doesn't. Uh, I don't think it does anyway. And yeah, I can't really say enough about it. It blew me away, and I loved it, and I love Portishead, and uh, that's about it. What do you think, Dan? I I loved it. I loved every single minute of it, every single second of it. I don't have the um, near the history of Portishead that Eric does because uh, 
this is the first, and this might shock some people, uh, but then I think people who know my tastes and what I was into, you know, what I was into when I was younger, um, it may not be so shocking, but um, this is the first Portishead record I've ever listened to. Uh, I've heard Portishead. Um, there was a, a, like me and Eric were actually just talking about this before we started recording that um, there was a, there was a hit kind of like, and I wouldn't say it was like a huge hit. What did you say that was called, Eric? Uh, I think Bitter Times might have been the, the hit. Okay. From Dummy. I, I just remember, I remember there was a video, and I do remember it was from the album mm-hmm. Dummy that they were showing on MTV, and that was pretty much the extent of it. Now, I've heard the name Portishead mentioned mm-hmm. as an influence by a lot of people, and actually I've heard it mentioned by you and our uh, our friend Sean mm-hmm. um, several times in the past as well, mm-hmm. Eric. Uh, but, um, yeah, this is the first time that I've actually given Portishead a chance because, mm-hmm. you know, like trip hop in general, it's not really, it's not really in my wheelhouse. Uh, you know, like I never really listened to tricky yeah. or anything like that, but I've always respected it. And I've always known that there's cool stuff that comes out mm-hmm. of it, but yeah, this record from beginning to end, I just loved it. To me, it was like a musical journey just, and like you said, it, the production choices were quite interesting because I do remember the first like couple of songs. Yeah. The production seemed a little, maybe just a little grittier than the the rest of the album. And then it just kind of, I don't know. It was almost like they opened like a, a door or right. something into this, like, just amazing sound like as the as the record went on uh that track you mentioned uh uh the rip i mean that's one of my favorites i also really liked um magic Mm -hmm. doors and i thought machine gun was interesting Mm -hmm. um yeah just overall i really really liked it and in fact i have all the past portishead records queued up on my spotify because i'm now going to go back nice. and listen to those records. I think you'll I, love them. My I, I old, really do. I think that they're um, way cooler than uh, than you might expect. Yeah. Cool. I'll have to check it out. My uh, older sister, who is seven years mm-hmm. my senior, uh, was really into the first yeah. Portishead record, I remember. And so, and that was another thing. My sister was into a lot of the more sort of trip hoppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, mellower stuff yeah. and I was just a angry punk rock well, th- yeah that's the funny so. thing too about, <laughs> yeah exactly that's the funny thing about Portishead I have to correct myself too uh, the song was called Sour Times not Bitter Times so anyway okay, sour times. <laughs> whenever I make a mistake on this show it haunts me forever I just hate it it's like <laughs> like I said that Ministry had a song called Stigmata Martyr which is a Bauhaus song the Ministry song is just called Stigmata Ooh, Stigma. I'm glad that I got yeah. that off my chest. Oh, it's been bugging me for months. And I might have, I might have just agreed <laughs> with you. Like I might have just been like, "Oh yeah, I remember that song." Yeah, because I'm, I'm not a ministry right. expert <laughs> a ministry at all. Ministry expert. But yeah, Portishead yeah. <laughs> was slightly different than the other trip hop stuff. I liked a lot of that too, but there's choices of samples and the fact that they played a lot of the instruments, lot uh, played them, and that they weren't samples. A lot of twangy, uh, reverby guitars, a lot of samples from like spy movies and 
things like that. It, it, they they had a different take on the whole thing than tricky or massive attack or whatever. So um, I think it's one of those things where you get grouped in because that's what's happening elsewhere. You know, it's kind of like right. the squirrel nut zippers being considered a swing band, even though they were a ragtime band. Like, but no one really cares. Right. You know, that's the other part, too. <laughs> it's like I can defend, you know, squirrel nut zippers all day and no one gives two shits so (laughs) especially in 2021 yeah right like they had they had what that one hit in like 96 called hell or something like that which that was part of that whole like very brief like swing revival that was right but that's the thing is they they were not a swing band but uh, who cares i don't need to defend well yeah they called it they they called it swing though like (laughs) yeah with that name that that one band whose name aged horribly the uh cherry popping oh band. yeah that's good stuff zoot suit riot solid zoot suit riot riot and yeah th- i think that I, song is actually more problematic than the name of the band if anyone really wants to look into the history of the zoot suit riots it it is not a fun good time thing that happened so anyway <laughs> yeah there's there there definitely does seem to be like uh yeah, <laughs> that whole thing was bizarre, man. That, that, no, that, like, hold on. No, no, no. We're not done talking about this, Eric. That whole thing, that whole, like, ska thing that was sort of intertwined with the whole, like you said, Squirrel Nut Zippers were not a swing mm-hmm. band, but whatever. They were lumped yeah. in with all the other swing bands of the yeah. time. Uh, what else? There was also uh, that Brian Setzer, mm-hmm. the Brian Setzer Orchestra, and, which, I mean, he was, I mean, the Stray Cats were awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I enjoyed them, but like, I never listened to that stuff, but God, that was one of the most bizarre things ever. Like just a complete, just complete proof that the nineties, the late nineties existed in this, like, just strange, like (laughs) looking back on it, it's like, we really were on another planet back then, you know? Yeah. Like, it's so weird (laughs) just to think, think back to like all of that stuff. Yeah. The dorks had their day, let's say. (laughs) <laughs> they definitely did. That's for it was sure. like, if you were and a band much, geek, the nineties kind of ripped for you. You know, it was like, yeah, the nineties were kind of, yeah. There's a lot of like music with every horns punk, out there. So every punk band all of a sudden wanted a horn yeah. section for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I will say the one band that has aged pretty well mm-hmm. for me out of that whole thing, the boss tones. I yeah, still I like do the like boss the boss tones. tones fine. I like a lot of ska actually from that time period. I, I mean, yeah. like the Aquabats are all bad. amazing. I, I, yeah, but the Aquabats are not really a ska band anymore at all. Yeah. I mean, the the Aquabats really turned in. Have you heard their album, Charge? Uh, no, I don't think I've heard Charge. Is it just like Devo they, now? It's, yeah. yeah they've, they've completely gone into like that yeah. direction. And they're, the thing about the Aquabats is they're so like versatile actually mm-hmm. with their music like did you ever watch any of the uh aquabat super show i have seen a couple episodes but not a lot that no. that is maybe the best thing that tv had put out has put out in the last <laughs> like 15 years wow. i mean seriously it's like I'll so to get good. on that i love love that show and you might heavily disagree <laughs> with me but Probably. the entire the <laughs> the entire series is on YouTube right now on the Aquabats okay. channel. So, I didn't do it. Um, and it, it just totally reminds you of every cool thing 
from Saturday morning that we mm. grew up with. Like it has elements of Pee Wee's Playhouse. It has elements of remember that Ernest oh, yeah. show hey, on Saturday mornings. Yeah. Hey Vern, it's Ernest. That to me is like that is a that that is gold. <laughs> I love Hey Vern. I love anything with Ernest. Ernest was one of my favorite characters. <laughs> I, I love, love Ernest. Ernest. Uh, I loved. Um... Ernest Goes to Jail, I think, was my favorite. It's very stupid. Oh, God. Yeah, I love it when he makes that soap, that gun out of soap. Yeah. That's like the I just greatest like, I can't thing. remember the character's name, but the bad guy is also played by Ernest. He does such a great job. So yeah, good. yeah, he does. He does a great job. And Bobby, job, the man. security oh. guard. So yeah, the good. security guard is great. And uh, That's freaking uh, the awesome. other one I like, I mean, I like Goes to Camp a lot. But I really liked Slam Dunk yeah. Ernest too. But mostly, <laughs> yeah, mostly because the first time they gave him the number of negative zero, I I I seriously thought I was gonna die. I, that was one of the funniest things <laughs> I've ever seen. It was just yeah. negative zero. <laughs> it's so stupid, dude. But I totally. I just recently saw Ernest goes yeah. to camp again and. I totally forgot just how dark that movie oh, got. Oh, yeah? I'll have to check it out again. Like, the end of that movie, uh, the like, the last... Okay, like, it ends up having a happy ending, but do you remember how dark no, that movie I got? at all. Towards the end, it got really, really depressing to where it's like, honestly, like, it's like, wow. Like, they're... Because, you know, Ernest, let's face it, was pretty much marketed yeah. to kids, you know? And so... I'm like seven years old watching this. And it's like every seven year old thought the same thing. I, I won't remind you cause I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's aching to watch Ernest goes to camp in 2021. But spoiler um, alert. anyway, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert we should totally like, if I upload this episode on YouTube, I need to make like a big thumbnail. Ernest goes to camp. No With sp- spoiler. Or spoiler alert. Like, just make the make it sound like this uh, whole episode's about well, that. It's getting there, uh, but it is. Yeah, you're right. But uh, anyway, no, it got really dark. It uh, got me close to crying when I was like seven damn, years old. I'm gonna have to see it. Yeah, I'm surprised you don't. Remember I don't. I didn't watch that one as much. I watched uh, Goes to Jail, Scared Stupid, and yeah, those yeah. are all classics. Um, Rides again. Did you ever I watch Rides so. again? Pretty good. Uh, that was a good one. I saw that in the theater with uh, my friend Josh. Oh, nice. Um, well, uh-huh. you know, Josh. Um, I just remember that was a laugh fest. But anyway, uh, we got more music got to review, more. don't we? Yeah, we got one more. So Go who goes it. first with this one? Okay. So this is um, the local release we decided to review this week from... Area musician Brian Barr, who is also from Asith, who a lot of you people out there uh, probably know that group. They're a very heavy and uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is just, uh, you know, another I'm not going to say it's just another, but it, you know, Brian Barr, like there really isn't any surprises here for anybody who's familiar with Brian Barr's work. Um you know, it's uh, just really good, really well done drone music. And um, it's uh, a lot of times reminds me of the intro to the Melvin's album Lysol, or now it's called um, Self-Titled. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's just got a lot of different layers of sound, a uh, big wall of sound. And I mean, anybody who's familiar with a Seath uh, should not be surprised by that. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and Brian knows this. I don't listen to a lot of drone. Um, so I don't really have much to, to really compare this to, um, other than a Seath. So that's pretty much like, you know, I'm, I'm going to just say recommended if you like a Seath. Um, but, uh, my two favorite songs on it were granular and breath. Um, so good job on those songs, Brian. Um, but <laughs> for those of you, for those of, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and just say, uh, that was a joke. That was a, it's like what Foghorn Leghorn would say. It's a joke, son. Um, it's called granular breath and the two tracks. The first one is called granular and the second one is called breath. And they're both 15 minutes, uh, a piece wall of sound stuff. Um, so yeah, it, you know, there's no surprises. Uh, this is totally what Brian has been doing and has been doing well for many, many years. In fact, for those of you who remember a seeth when it was just Brian's solo project, I mean, that's basically what a seeth started out as was, uh, a Brian Barr solo album. Um, it's really cool stuff. You know, it gets very cinematic at times. Brian's always been a master at this kind of stuff. Uh, his guitar tone just rips right through you. Um, and there's probably some other stuff that I missed, uh, that I'm sure if I, if I talk to Brian in person about, he'll probably, you know, correct me on or something because he's definitely way more of an audiophile than I am. Um, I've known Brian for many years. Great guy. Um, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it just sounds really haunting, really dark and, you know, um, kind of fun in a, in a weird way too. What'd you think, Eric? Yeah. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. Like you said, there's two tracks. They're both about 15 minutes long. Um, they, yeah, it, I, it's funny because I don't know if it ever goes full on just, um, like white noise level noise you know it's not just static at any certain point which is a nice thing or just the sound of instruments breaking or whatever like this seems pretty well thought out pretty well plotted out it does uh both tracks follow sort of that um trajectory that most um ambient or noise or avant-garde things follow which you know you start out quiet you build to a crescendo and then it kind of dissipates. But within that context, I think Brian does a lot of really cool stuff. He There's almost orchestral sounds to it at times. It sounds like strings sometimes. I would love to know if, um, if these were recorded live um, or if it was multi-tracked. I know that Brian uses a ton of effects in a seethe and I assume for this too. And he does a lot with them while, while he's playing. So I don't know if all these are recorded live or if this was multi-tracked, which in and of itself, not being able to tell that is a really amazing thing, you know? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, 
so yeah like i said it's pretty restrained um i think that it's kind of comfortable the the songs are comfortable living in their own ambient heaviness that they've created like it kind of just folds back onto itself a lot you know and i think that's great like if you're going to create essentially a world for people to to spend time in why would you constantly be trying to break that apart and ruin the illusion you know and so i think i think that he understands that and doesn't ever try to push us out of this heavy ambient place that he's created you know nothing really comes out of left field or is uh, abrupt or um overt even like it just it lets you spend time there which is i what i assume is exactly the point um i liked especially on the second record and i'll have to ask him about this sometime um he uses i can tell what the sound is and what's happening is but i don't know the exact pedal or effect or whatever but he's um he's using the bias which means that he's um overloading the circuitry a little bit he's sending too much um voltage and a lot of pedals have this bias and on this modular synth it's something you use all the time is that you adjust the bias and that creates a distortion or a fuzz but what happens because of that it's very splatty it's like it sounds like a computer breaking so and i really yeah i I remember i remember that i really enjoyed that sound on the second track um it does fade away which is cool it's almost a relief when that sort of breaking electronic sound starts to go away a little bit but it's really well done and i liked hearing brian do all this stuff on his own i mean i love a seethe and the guys in it are amazing musicians and they're great but also just hearing all the intricacies of what Brian's doing on this is kind of nice too. So yeah, I thought it was a really good listen. Um, after we decided on this one and I looked at my other two picks though, I was like, Jesus, <laughs> you know, we should start calling this podcast doom patrol or something like, you know, <laughs> but um, I will say that <clears throat> none of this, I don't think Brian's sounded uh, dark or or, um, desolate or anything like that. I don't think I got the sense of darkness from it. Um, I don't know, which it seems like as we describe it, that's exactly what it would sound like. But I I just didn't get that. It it was more of a celebration of of just living within heavy noise, you know? And that's kind of how it felt. I can see that. And I, I can definitely see that description. Um, having known Brian for many, many years, it would make sense if that's what he was going for, because this is this is the stuff that he's always loved to create. And one thing that I know about Brian is when he puts work into something, I mean, he he does it to just like the final degree. I mean, he'll he just he works his ass off to make sure that whatever it is that he's creating, whether it's a t-shirt design, whether it's an ambient album, whether it's in a Seath riff or whatever, he'll make sure it gets to what, what it is that he's envisioning, you know? 
And so that would make sense if that's exactly what he's going for, because at this point in his life, I'm sure that he just loves celebrating the fact that he's kind of doing this Mm -hmm. sort of stuff still, you know what I mean? Like, like, and so, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah great description. Stuff. I liked it a lot. So. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, really, really fun. If you're a fan of, um, I mean, like I said, I don't really have a lot of things to compare it to, but I, I don't know. Do you have anything to well, compare it I to? Well, I mean. Because you're probably uh, more of a. Just like, I don't know, the, the kind of standard stuff. I don't. I don't know that much about um, Doom. I listen to a lot of it, but nothing out, nothing sure. too crazy. So like Jesu, I think it's like that in a yeah. lot of ways. Ambient metal. Um, there you go. Sono, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ohm, Boris. M- maybe a little yeah, bit of Godflesh. Flesh. Stuff in that vein. Absolutely. Yeah. Certain Melvin's mm-hmm. tracks, but definitely not all the Melvin right. stuff. You know, but like certain elements right. of the Melvins and Isis, yeah. Neurosis. It's hard to compare those things like because that. I think you, you, it's easy to cross over into Stoner, and that's not what's happening here. Yeah, there, there's no groove to this. Like, no, you know, not at and all. So, I think a lot of times Stoner and Sludge and Doom and things are used interchangeably, and and it's not. It doesn't always work. There. are extremes on every end of the each of those styles of music like is this like earth uh maybe sort of but not really you know so yeah i don't think there's any riffs per se that's not funky you know <laughs> like this is right uh, yeah closer to something like Sono or yeah yeah you're you're not getting any blue cheer no. out of this one yep. <laughs> but um Okay, so that wraps up all nice. of our releases. Uh, I've already done the plug, oh, yeah. Eric. So I don't have to tell everybody where to find us. <laughs> nope. I mean, you know, like, so I feel fulfilled. <laughs> I feel like I've done my duty. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I feel fine. Uh, check us out on Instagram and um, Facebook and smash that subscribe button. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Smash the subscribe button. Yeah. Click the click those click aren't even the heart things, right? on Instagram. Yeah, click the heart. Nah, no, that's click that's follow. definitely on YouTube. I don't know. Keep listening. Yeah. You you know. If if okay, how about this? How about this? Go watch the videos, the two videos that we made, <laughs> the one about MF Doom and the other one about um bands that we feel have perfect discographies. Mm-hmm. And uh <laughs> smash the subscribe button on yeah. that. Just because there really it. is a, subs- a subscribe button on that. <laughs> smash it. That's another thing. There is the accelerative thrust oh, YouTube yeah. channel too, but it, it doesn't have a lot of content is, um, yet. The, it, well, it has content, but all, most of it is just oh, me. Oh right, because yeah. it started before Eric became before the I co-host. <laughs> <laughs> when Eric came yeah. into this world, it, it was a very quiet, desolate place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Everyone was so happy. Much before <laughs> much much yeah. like a doom 45 murder. years ago um, in three days in yeah. three days oh geez the gospel yeah. of eric um 
<laughs> well, you got anything else? You got anything else, Eric? I'm, I'm no, actually uh, if you, I did want to say if anyone wants to interact with us, that would be really cool. Like, <laughs> I know that people are listening because yeah, awesome. we can see the numbers. But otherwise, it sort of seems like, you know, this is all just going out into the void. So if you want to interact with us, and honestly, if you have a, a suggestion for a local review, um, or if, you know, you are in a local group or something and want to do an interview, whatever, just like reach out to us. It would be super cool to hear from people. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And actually, uh, message either yeah. one of us on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, message the yep, accelerative thrust sure. sites. It doesn't matter. Just let us all know. And yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we're looking for new content yeah. constantly. Yep. So nice. You've, you've seen what we're capable of. Let's see what you're capable of. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. They are, they're going to totally lap us in what, in, in capability. <laughs> <laughs> There's exactly. no way you'll be worse um, than us. So let us know. <laughs> There's absolutely no way. Um, okay. Well, yeah. that's all I've got. Uh, so I, we will, uh, well, hopefully you'll be hearing from us next week. Oh, by the way, um, speaking mm -hmm. of guests, interviews and stuff like that, we are going to have uh, Molly Piatetsky, the uh, vocalist mm -hmm. for Closet Witch. Um, and she's really cool. I've known her for many years. And uh, I am looking forward to yeah. talking with her. Me too. Um, so she's going to be on next week. Uh, so, yeah, please tune in for that. That is going to be one for the <laughs> ages, folks. It's going to be the best. It's going to be the best. All right. Uh, good night. Good morning. Whatever it is. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>